Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll be uh, looking at uh, verses 1 through 11. This, this week we make a little bit of a turn in our membership series. We've been talking about the importance of membership, of why you should uh, be a member of a local church. And this morning we t- kind of turn to, well, if we are a member, what kind of member are we to be? What kind of member are we to be? And so uh, that's what we want to do this morning. But uh, before we do that, I just kind of want to introduce this section of the series and, and just talk for a minute um, about how important I think this is that we truly all kind of examine where we are in our commitment uh, to the church of God. And I want us to press forward into, into what God may have for us as a church. I feel like maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me. But uh, I feel like where we are as a church is that why it's a good church. Um, and there's a lot to be happy about, right? Like we've got uh, not many people are leaving. We, we, people are kind of here. Uh, they're committed to, to, to staying members here. Um, we've got kids everywhere. I remember just back in December with the Christmas matches, it just it blew my mind every week when we brought the kids up here. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful to pastor church with that many kids. So we've got these big, uh, beautiful families. Um, we are uh, we're, we're tight on the budget, but we we pay our bills. Um, and and every once in a while. Uh, some fantastic things happen in our church. And so um, everyone's kind of seems mildly happy. So I think when we're in that moment, that it's in that season, it's easy to just kind of hit the recline button and to, uh, to just kind of say, you know, let's just coast. Let's just kind of enjoy what we have here, enjoy this good church and, and just... And just coast. I think the problem with that is that God's not a coasting God. That God is a God of extravagance. A God that is always wanting to give us more and more of what He has for us. And that we should never go, okay, we're good enough and and everybody's happy and good things are happening here. Sometimes fantastic things are happening here. Let's just hit cruise control I don't think that is what our God has for our church or any church. I mean, if the church is as Ephesians 3.10 says, if if it is the the thing by which the manifold wisdom of God is revealed, then shouldn't it demand our strongest priority in our lives? If it's true in what Jesus said of His church in Matthew 16.18, that the gates of hell cannot come against the church of God. That, that in, in that sense, that we are, this church, who we are as a body, as we're united in, in the body of Christ, what we are here, what we do here, is really the only eternal things in our life. That everyone, everything else is susceptible to age and destruction and being stolen, but the church of God has an enduring aspect that that anything done 
For God's kingdom in our church is something that is eternal. It is something that is forever. And therefore, shouldn't it demand our choicest efforts and our mission to know God and to make Him known? So God is not a maintenance God. He's a God of extravagance. He's a God who, who offers us more and more. The question is, are we going to be those who press on after what He has for us as a church? So will you join me? I realize that leadership's a big part of that. Will you join me in what God has before us? To just press forward and and every one of us look at our commitment to Him, to look at our commitment to the church and begin to adjust our lives and make more of a priority. Will you join me? Amen. Like say amen if you'll join me. Let me give you three reasons before we get going here of why I think it's important uh, for us as members to just ask ourselves, where are we in the kingdom? How committed are we to this thing? I want to give a divine reason, a personal reason, and a cultural reason. Okay, First, divine. And, and I want to read, um, you have this in the insert. I want to read our first core value. Okay, So this is what we as a church... We've actually voted on this. We've said this is what Wyatt Baptist Church is going to value. And it's this first off that starts with the supremacy of God. The holy God, who is the Father, Son, and Spirit, created the universe and sovereignly rules over it with absolute goodness and righteousness. God is supreme, and as a result, our lives should be lived for Him. Personally, we worship God primarily through prayer, Bible study, and grace-driven obedience and everyday living. As a church, we seek to glorify God together through corporate worship, building one another up in love and sharing His salvation with a fallen world. Our greatest joy and satisfaction is found in Him. Listen, if God is God, okay, if He is who He says He is, and His church is what He says it is, if it's His plan a and there is no plan b it demands our absolute full allegiance it doesn't demand half allegiance it doesn't demand of us to kind of be invested to kind of be involved it is it is everything because it is god and personally okay personally let's talk about what it means to be committed because Listen to me, God's going to get it done. If the gates of hell are not going to prevail against His church, then Wyatt Baptist Church reclining and not doing His thing doesn't mean it's not going to get done. He will lift up other churches to do our part. He will lift up uh, people out of the lost to do our part. But do you want that? Is that what you want? Do you want God to lift up someone else? Or do you want? to enjoy the satisfaction of realizing that you are doing what you were created to do. As as core values ends, it's our greatest joy and satisfaction is found in Him. It's not just that He orders us, hey, you need to to do what what, what you need to do in the church because I need the glory. He also says, and you're going to have joy and his satisfaction as you are involved in an eternal purpose. And then there's a cultural reason. Listen, folks, the culture is changing. 
and it is sifting, uh, uh, it's sifting cultural Christianity, uh, nominal Christianity. It's sifting that because the church used to enjoy this elevated position in society where, hey, the church is awesome. Like even people that didn't go said, hey, we're glad the church is there. But that's becoming less so in our culture. They're beginning to say they're kind of bigoted. Uh, they're kind of, they, they, they stand for things, traditional things that, man, they need to get with the program because things are changing, and so they're holding us back. And, and so it's becoming more so, and we're a little behind in the South, but it's becoming more so the fact that it, you're not going to enjoy as many benefits of being a member of a church. And so therefore what's going to happen is if you're half committed, you're going to fall by the wayside. It's not going to be strong enough make you continue to be the church and, and and let's just say you do pull it off let's say you just have that little ember of, of church involvement and and you just keep it just warm enough to get you through your life of of, of your faith what what are your kids going to do with that in this changing culture do you think they're going to stand as you hand them a little ember of church commitment, do you really think they're going to stand the test that they're going to be under in the next generation? I don't believe they will. I think sometimes the, the biggest threat to our kids is not to send them off to college where a college professor is going to tear down their faith, but it's, it's, what, it's, it's what we're doing now and how we're showing that God's not really all that important. And so with all of that being said, will, will, you, will you join me in examining your own heart and your own efforts to give your all to the church? If, join me. And I'm saying as, as a leader here that I need to change my attitude of reclining and press forward to what God has for me. Pray for me as, as we seek to do that so let's look at our text and and i'm going to go in a uh i'm going to go in kind of we're going kind of a, a starting in kind of a different kind of place as we talk about membership because when we talk about membership we're really thinking about the body but what i want us to really think about this morning is that it really starts with all of our personal walks with christ that that although the church to me is absolutely crucial in the faith that the church can't always be there seven days a week, 24-7, to hold your hand, to help you make every decision that you make, to, to make you pursue Christ like you should. And so we all have a responsibility in our own lives to pursue God. So we're talking about more this morning, our individual walk, and then we'll begin to talk next week about our involvement with each other. Verse 1, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor 
not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warns you. For God has not called us to impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And so what I want us to do is to look at some, some aspects that, that we're responsible, that you're responsible, that your brother or sister's not, not responsible, they can help you in these things, uh, that your pastors are not respons- fully responsible, they can help you in some of these things, but we are each responsible. It's all there is to our spiritual life is what we do here on Sunday. And we're in bad shape if that's all there is to our spiritual life. Listen, if we're not pursuing Christ Monday through Saturday, guess what? We're not pursuing Him today. And so our strength is going to come from all of us individually taking the initiative to pursue God. So first, it is the personal responsibility of all church members to take the Scripture and to personally apply it. Okay. Now here, the, the leaders of the church, when it comes to preaching and teaching, we definitely have a responsibility here, and I think it's revealed in this text. He says that Paul, uh, Paul says that they, the congregation received their teaching, but if we examine, it wasn't just their teaching. Uh, in verse 1 it says, hey, we taught you how to please God. Okay? We didn't teach you how to please Paul or Timothy. We taught you what is pleasing to God. Okay? And that's important as us as leaders that, that we're not just about, hey, what pleases Adam, what pleases Josh, what pleases Donnie, what pleases your Sunday school teacher. It is what pleases God. God and that is the that should be the emphasis of our teaching and how we can live to please God and and we're also told here that it's instruction given through the Lord Jesus the the teaching that that they were passing on now remember we'll talk about this in a minute but remember it's not like they all had the New Testament at this time that was all being written and so what they were doing verbally were passing down the teachings of Jesus Christ it was very very important that the teachers got it right they weren't that they weren't messing with it that they were not interested as some of the fair as the pharisees tended to be of adding to or taking away from the word of god they just gave the teaching that came through jesus christ and this is our responsibility in teaching to direct you in what pleases god and to give you teachings that have come through the lord jesus um, I was a, a waiter, started off as a busboy, eventually uh, made my way to waiter at a barbecue restaurant in Conway, Arkansas when I was in college. 
and uh, and man, the cooks back there were amazing. I just I didn't know what was going on back there. I didn't know how they made everything taste so good. I just knew that they placed it in this window with my ticket for my customers, and I had to take that food and get it to the right person at the right table. And you know what? I didn't take it and add some more seasoning. I didn't take it and and rearrange things or, hey, it needs a little more salt. No, I knew, I trusted that what they were doing in the back, because I'd eaten, because we got half off, and in college that was awesome. That's where I took my dates, because I got half off. And so I knew how good it was, and I knew I didn't need to mess with it. And so my job was to get to the window, to the table, without as little interruption as possible, as hot as, as I could make it. And that is the job of us as pastors when we teach, is to get it as close as we possibly can to what God intended for that word to say and to get it to you without fiddling with it. That's our job, and you need to pray that we do that. And if you ever feel like we're not doing that, you need to call us on that. But listen, uh, when it comes to the teaching uh, of the Scripture, it is not just the responsibility of the teachers. It is the responsibility of the members to receive that instruction. It says they received it. They grabbed hold of what the apostles taught them from Jesus. Listen, the, the preacher's preaching isn't going to be perfect, okay? Now, you know, I don't know what you think about us pastors and how we think about our sermons, but we are our own worst critic. That most, and I, I've talked to my pastor friends enough to know this, that most of the time we, we crawl away from the pulpit going, I absolutely blew that, okay? So it's no mystery to us that we don't always get it perfect, we don't always communicate as well as we would like to. But if you have a pastor that is doing his best to give you the teachings of Jesus Christ, it is then your responsibility to say, hey, as bad as that sermon was, it was still, I think, true to the word, and there's truth in it. And so what do I need to do with it? You know, we've got this phrase that people like to use in church, I'm not being fed. And it sounds really spiritual, right? Because I want to be fed and I'm not being fed. And and I'm not saying that that you, you are not an overly critical people. I remember a former pastor who accidentally, in one of his points to a sermon, talked about how Jesus was an adversary. And he just, he confused the word advocate. And no one told him about it until his wife did in his car. So you're not an overly critical people that, that are going to jump on and say, hey, that was a terrible sermon. Uh, even when we teach heresy, you, you let our wives tell us. You let our wives tell us. Okay? But, but if, it, if the truth is there, it is your responsibility to, to say, what do I, how do I respond? What do I need to do in response to this word? And, and the, the, the only problem, I don't have a problem with, with someone asking, am I being fed? Because uh, maybe they're not. Maybe the pastor's not true to the word of God. Maybe he's not in any way communicating very well. But, but what I hate about that phrase is sometimes I think that's where we go to first. 
It's the preacher's fault. It's my Sunday school teacher's fault. It's my uh, connection group leader's fault. Instead of saying, is it my fault? Am I, am I really listening? Am I really trying to prepare my heart to listen? Am I really taking this and then trying to go and apply it to my life? And so do some self-reflecting, and, and if you find out the preacher's the problem, certainly let them know about it. But start with an, a reflection on yourself of, am I truly, like these people were, receiving that? Because they, they keep talking about more and more. So he's saying, hey, you're doing this, and, and go after it more and more. And so we know that they're receiving it and going after more and more. And, and, and that brings us to kind of the responsibility of us all to, to walk more and more in the instruction of God. We should have an appetite for the Word of God. We should have a hunger for it. You know, here's a fascinating thought that I've been dwelling on. Uh, at this time, the New Testament was, not, was still being completed. Even after the New Testament was completed, the canon was completed, it would be hundreds of years before the printing press would happen that would allow most Christians to actually have, uh, English-speaking Christians to actually have the Bible in their hands to read every day. Okay? We've only, Christians have only like had a completed Bible in their hands, English-speaking, so that leads us to also say there are many who don't have any of the scripture in their language yet. Which is why we pray for missionaries and we, we pray that God would, would continue to move and, and spread his word through translators. But it's only been about 500 years, so that means that three-fourths of the, of, of, of the church history, people haven't even had, had a, this completed work in their hands. They were maybe the, dependent on uh, their pastor, like giving them that tidbit that they were going to go home and, and really apply to their heart this week, that week. And y'all, here's the reality. We grab this in the mornings with our cup of coffee with a Bible verse on it, on the mug, and we sit down and we don't really think about and what, what the privilege is, is that, that we have the ability to have a hunger for more and more. We don't even have to wait till next Sunday when the pastor gives us the text and so that we can meditate on it. We have it every day. And the problem is that, that, that many times we don't even reach for it in the morning. We don't even reach for it at lunch. We don't even reach for it at night, wherever, maybe in your heart you said, hey, it'd be good for me to read the word that day. This is a privilege, folks. And it should be our hunger as church members to want more and more of it. To check what the pastor says by this. And for years, people were, the leader, false leaders led people astray because they didn't even have this to check uh, what their teachers, their teachers were telling them were true. So don't take it for granted. What a privilege we have to have this word. So we as members of the church, have, we have a personal responsibility to respond to the teachings of Scripture and to personally pursue more and more of it. And next, 
I want to talk about it is the personal responsibility of all church members to abstain from immorality. Look what it says in verse 3 through 5. It says, For this is the will of God that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles do who do not know God. Now, I'm not going to totally just unpack this particular sin because really the Greek there, it, it's really more of a, hey, for instance. And so the general, the general instruction here is not just about that particular sin of sexual sin, which is huge and maybe bigger now than it's ever been because of our access to, to that kind of sin. But that's the main point is it's, it's immorality in general. It's about controlling yourself and staying uh, and killing sin uh, that exists in your life there's got to be a level of self-control in the members of the church and and what i love about this verse is it, it doesn't just say hey don't do sexual immorality it says that that we are to be pursuing holiness and honor right like like and i think it's so important to we often just think about what we shouldn't be doing. But Scripture's so clear that, no, it's about, it's about focusing on what you should be pursuing and, and, and holiness and honor. And if you're busy pursuing that and going after those wonderful things of God, man, these other things are going to grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace and the holiness and, uh, that He desires from us. And this self-control, it must be governed not by a fear of being caught by man, but out of a fear of God. Notice what must govern it ultimately. It says uh, in verse 6, Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impure, for impurity, but in holiness, Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his glory, his Holy Spirit to you. Um, New Year's Eve, I, uh, Brother Josh was preaching, I just wanted to work security. It's like, hey, our security team is being awesome here lately, I just want to see what that's all about. So I got the, I streamed the service in, in my, uh, on my phone, and, and I went out there and I worked security. But the funnest part was being out there right before the service because I got to see who skipped Sunday school that day. And, and some of you, you're right there, yeah, you're out there right now. And you pulled up and it, the look on their face was like, I didn't know one of the pastors was going to be working the parking lot security. Really wish I hadn't slept in this morning. And it was fun. Um, And y'all, we can surprise you sometimes, right? We, we, can, we can surprise you. We can be where you don't expect us to be. Uh, we're, you know, you have a lot of people here that can be where you don't expect them to be. But we're not omnipresent. And if we base ourselves on, I just don't want to get caught. I don't want to get caught by a pastor. I don't want to get caught by one of my church members. And I'm talking of true immorality. I'm not talking about true immorality. Um, you, we're not going to live holy life 
if that's what we base it on because we live in a time through technology that we can do horrendous things in private that no one knows about. And if we're just worried about what everyone's seeing us do, we're never going to be, uh, we're never going to escape morality. Im- or, I'm sorry, escape immorality. And so this is why they say here, it, it's the Lord who is the avenger of all these things. It's the Lord you need to be worried about. And don't, please don't think I'm saying a, accidentally sleeping in for Sunday school is immoral. That's not what I'm saying. I was just, um, I was just saying that, that we can't, we can surprise you, but we can't be everywhere. I'm talking about true immorality. Um, if you're going to, um, if you're going to fight against that, it's not going to be about who catches you. It's going to be about there's a God who always is aware. He knows exactly where you are and what you're doing. And until you have a sincere, good fear of God, uh, you're not going to pursue morality as you should. And so we as church members have a personal responsibility driven by a good, healthy fear of God to pursue holiness and honor and to flee immorality. Flee it. Okay? Uh, we have no business, as this verse says, don't act like everybody else. Um, that church members are to be set apart from the world, and so we need to be making some different decisions and doing some different things than they're doing. Thirdly, it is the personal responsibility of all church members to show brotherly love. And uh, verses 9 through uh, 12 says this, um, talks about having brotherly love. And it says here, uh, God has taught us how to love. He says, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Sometimes it's amazing to me that we as Christians, we, we act like we don't know how to love. We act like we don't know how to forgive, how to just through love forgive people that have trespassed against us. We just act clueless, and we have this God who has modeled through our very salvation how to love and how to forgive. I watched a a clip of Rachel uh, Denhollander this week that uh, was one of the gymnast taken advantage of by the doctor just horrible and she she stood before him and she talked to him and it it was incredible when she talked about god and forgiveness and uh wow just i I was like this is a girl that knows repentance i mean just the way that she communicated that she never minimized the sin but elevated it and, uh, and never let him off the hook, but just then gave him over to God and said, you need the forgiveness of God. It was, you need to look it up. It was fantastic. It was, she's a girl that because she's come in contact with the mercy and grace of God, she knew how to, how to talk to this man about his sin and his need of God. And so uh, we... Uh, we look to God as our model. None of us are, should be clueless in how to love and forgive when we look at the God who forgave us. 
And we must manage our own affairs well and work hard at our job. There's just this verse in eleven twelve. it almost seems out of place, but I, I think it's very much in place when we think about it. It says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. What, what does that have to do with, with anything? What does that have to do with brotherly love? Well, we, we know that the early church, they took care of each other. Uh, we know that they had all things in common. We know that man, they, they, when someone suffered in the church, they were on, they were on it. Um, and so in that is the possibility that some people would take advantage of that, right? That would say, you know, I don't have to get a job. My church is going to feed me. I don't have to do this. My church is going to take care of me. And, and the instruction here is that, no, you, you get a job, okay, where you can support your family, and you work hard at your job. You do a good job at your job so that others don't have to take care of you. We all need to, and, and when it says to live quietly, you know, that's not necessarily saying that, you know, there aren't moments where, man, we do big things for God, and, but what it's saying is, is man, do, do what you're to be doing. Quietly just, man, plugging away at, at being, the, uh, being a hard worker at your job so you can not only take care of your family, but you can give financially to the church and, 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 and when, when people have need. pursue God and you can't always depend on a pastor to hold your hand and him make you read your Bible you can't depend on your accountability partner to always always be there to make sure you don't commit that sin that there is a that, that there is a while we're very dependent on each other there has to be a level of of independence in our lives that we are doing what we need to do we're quietly over here just getting it done because if we're all just absolutely needy um man we're gonna be sped thin aren't we and so i mean what what, what this is talking about hey is if you get laid off if you get laid off and the church should should rise to the occasion to help and to serve you if you're going through a moment of suffering, the church should, should be there. Absolutely. But none of that should be indefinite, right? I mean, if someone's incapacitated and it, and it has to be indefinite, then yes, the church should be there. But we all need to do our part. We all need to carry our weight in our lives. And so th this text has been heavy on doing, right? And I want us to understand something is that your approval before God is not based on your, your ability to receive the Word of God and to have a hunger for it. That your approval before God is not uh, based on whether or not you, uh, you sin today or not, and you will sin. Your approval uh, before God is not based on whether or not you, uh, you always 100% work, work hard at your job and carry your weight. Your approval uh, before God is based on the work of Jesus Christ. That is your 
That is where you get your approval before God. And what this is talking about is that the Christian should be engaged in, in doing the things that please God every day. To have a walk that pleases Him. That's, there's, there's a difference. You have your righteous standing before God because of Christ. And then you have your sanctification that God, through His Spirit, is trying to help you along the way with. I just want us I just want you to to practically this week look at a few areas of your life and ask yourself am I as committed as I need to be I want you to examine your hunger for the word of God just to just think through do you do you really have a hunger for this and and if you don't have it pray for it and ask and beg God God help me to have a hunger and and then begin every day to to, to try to open it and to read it and to learn from it. And, and all the while asking God, give me a desire for it. I want you to examine your life and, and the things that you're doing. Is there a sin that is debilitating you as a Christian? Is there a sin that you're just, you just keep running back to? God's called you to action on that. God's called you to flee that, to turn from that and pursue holiness and honor. And so um, ask yourself about those things. And I think if we all, in different degrees, we all have those kind of things in our life on any given day. And ask yourself, am I really fighting as I should? And, um, and this is just a side note. It's not explicit in the text that we just looked at, but would you examine your giving to the church? Um, this is just reality, folks. That and we finished uh, last year really strong. Um, we did awesome in our gift for Christ, which we rejoiced in. We even closed the gap uh, a little bit at the end, where we we didn't make budget, but but it was better than what it looked. Um, we're concerned the first month of, of this year uh, because if, if the trend holds out we'll finish this month about eight to ten thousand dollars behind our budget and if that continues throughout the year our finance committee is going to be looking at a hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollar deficit and uh, that goes along with our commitment to church folks that when we voted on a on our budget we voted hey we we're all going to carry our weight. We're all going to do what we need to do to make sure that that gets met. And so I would encourage you. I did this yesterday. I, I went back to the budget and kind of made sure. And I, I, found, I found some areas where I, I didn't take into account. And so I knew that uh, this week I'm going to have to kind of um, raise my giving to the church to make sure I'm, I'm where I need to be. And, and I would encourage you to start with the tithe. If everybody in the church would tithe, man, uh, church would never want for anything. Whether uh, our tithe's going to look different by how much we make, but that is a great place to start. And so I, I hate to interject that, but um, it's just something you need to know uh, and something that, that I think it's important that we keep before us in January and not in... Uh, at the end of the year next year. I'm going to ask you to please stand and, and just examine, examine these areas of your life. Your, your, 
your hunger for God, your, uh, your fight against immorality, your giving to the church, and, and just look at your commitment. Does what the church is and what the church represent, is it represented well by the effort and the commitment that you have in it? Ask yourself this morning as uh, that as we begin to sing in a moment after I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, God, for the church. God, I thank you that, that you are using us, that you are doing good things here, God, but I know that you have more for us. And God, we repent of coasting. God, we repent of just going through the motions and, and being fully content. God, we want more of you. We want more opportunity for us to reach others. God, we want more, God. And so we ask that you would please put in us a hunger for your word, a hunger to fight sin in our lives, a, a hunger to love uh, one another responsibly. Uh, responsibly. God, move in our hearts this morning as we sing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.